truly an honor to be here. First, I'd like to give honor to God, who's the head of my life, to Pastor Josh and his absence, Pastor Tim, everyone in their respectful places, amen. Um, I don't take this lightly. I don't count it robbery as well. Those of you also do that are joining in online as well, I don't want to forget you guys. But um, <clears throat> just transition with me as we go through a word of prayer, because we want God to move, amen? Amen. Yes. amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for you are God alone. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You're holy. You're righteous, God. And God, we invite you in this place, Lord. Yes. We ask for you to speak that, Lord God, I be removed out the way. And God, that you come in. You set up, Lord God, an altar here, Lord God, for your people to be delivered, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, God. Revelate your word, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord God. Let it be life-changing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As you can see with the title, the title is The Image of Holiness, right? Now, I believe that God's main objective with this is for us to leave with a clear understanding of what holiness is. Not just that, but also with a clear understanding of how now God now can move in our lives so where we live and display holiness out through our day to day. Amen. Amen. So I, I want to share a little bit that when I first came into the ministry, right, <clears throat> well, I came in where, you know, it was Pentecost movement, it was holiness. So it was that, you know, speaking in tongues and it was an outward display of what holiness was. So when we came in, it was that, you know, if I was an individual who was in church all the time, all week long, that was an outward display of holiness. That meant that I'm holy. Now, I'm not knocking that at all. Let's understand that. But what happened is, is because we operate from the outward that nothing's happened in the inside. Dress code as well was one. Now, you women might be familiar with this. If you have on any pants, what they say? You're going to hell. That's what they were saying. You know, my, my wife was one of those, you know, casualties of that. You know I mean? We were in a service one time, and a pastor said, that's your wife? I said, yeah. He said, and she had on pants. And he was like, oh, yeah, you, you can't have her out here wearing no pants. <laughs> She's going to hell. So, so, again, holiness was depicted upon on our outward self. So we have religious practices. We have our dress code. Not only that, we also have money, success. If I look a certain type of way, if I have finances, you know what I mean? This made me puff my chest out, and now you know what? I'm holy. It's an outward sign of me now, like, you know what? I got it going on. Not only that, knowledge, education. So how well educated I am or how profound that I speak. Now other people look at me, and they say, oh, my God. It's like this individual is a totally different individual they, they have, they house the presence of God. We think that it's holy, but look, in my home life, now I'm not talking about me personally, <laughs> but in, in, in the individual's home life, what happened is that they, they're jacked up. They don't have it going on. So we have to understand that we'll put on a garment of what holiness is from religious practice, dress codes, success, money, education, and then guess what? Scripture tells us something totally different. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians tells us this. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not for yourselves. 
It is God's gift, not from works. Not from works. So that no one else can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to to do. So this is the main point here. The main point is the same way that we are not saved by ourselves is the same way that our holiness, we we can't now doctrine ourselves up to be holy. They go hand to hand. I like this last part here, right, in verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for God works, which God prepared ahead of time. So, so what he's saying here, what Paul is saying is saying that your good works means nothing to God. Before the foundations of the world, guess what? God already put your good works in you. So when you do something good, it's not wowing God. He's not like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe that they did. It's not surprising him. So there's no way where he's saying that we can't boast. So you go out today and decide to say, you know, I'm going to feed a homeless person. You know what? They look like they need food. You know what? And I'm going to get my merit bad for, for heaven. No, no, it doesn't work like that. God has already placed all the good. He already knows all the good deeds that we're going to do because he already placed it inside of us. Now, this is the point. Let's define holiness. Holiness commingles with holy. It says separate, set apart, consecrated, a life of discipline, focus, and attention to matters of righteous living. So what we see now, now when you get when we start entering into the word of God, you start to see that now you see God cohabitating with man and then also with his wife. He's cohabitating with them. Now what happened is when sin entered into the world, now God had to disassociate himself because he is holy. He can't now be connected to that thing which is unholy. So he decided to say, you know what, I'm going to separate myself, but watch this, here's the kicker. But because I love him, I'm devoted to him. I gotta be in communication with them because these are my children. These are the individuals that I want to have close relationship with. So now he devotes himself, where now you're starting to see him saying, I gotta now implement myself in a way to be communicated with them. Which brings us to this. We're gonna look at God as, as a whole light of when we're talking about holy. Isaiah 6, 1 and 3. And it says this in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated seated on a high and lofty throne. Pause right here, right quick. Because we have to ask ourselves the question, how, do, how many of us been in that situation where there's another individual stopping you or there is something stopping you from seeing God? Could be work, family, wife, kids. What we'll do is say, you know what? Because this is the thing that we have to understand with King Uzziah. He was a good king. See, during his reign, the children of Israel were prospering. They had it going on. How many of us say, my job gives me such security, makes me feel good, but guess what? We treat it and then put it in a position and replace that with God. Oh, that's something to think about. Because we do it without even thinking about it sometimes. And this is the posture and the position there. Watch this in verse 2. He says this. He said, Seraphim, now Isaiah's seeing now. He's having a vision of the Lord. Seraphim 
were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they fled. They flew. And one called to another. Here's the kicker. Holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole temple. See, this is the thing that we have to understand. Also, in other scripture, you have John in Revelation when he talks about there are heavenly beings and in, in that he's seen a vision as well where these are angels constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord thy God. So what we're seeing here is that in scripture that God is never just signified by his attributes. His attributes, love, he's patient, he's kind, he's sovereign, which is true. But what is different? His love is holy. His sovereignty is holy. His truth is holy. So now we're seeing that now God is on a whole plateau all by himself. It's like this. When you cut up food, you know, when you, you're dicing and you, you put something to the side and you bring something else there. That's what God is saying. Oh, I'm, I'm not mixed in with anything else. So the world's perception of what love is, it doesn't compare to what God's love is. That's what we have to understand that. We have to establish that. So he's sitting on a whole plateau all by himself. There is nothing and no one else that can compare to him unless we align ourselves with him. Amen? Amen. Watch this. Here's the kicker. His judgment is holy. So when we see him destroying cities, when we see him destroying people, it's from a holy perspective. Amen? Amen. Background. So what you see throughout Scripture is that God calling people because now sin entered into the world. So God now is calling people unto him. So what you see now is in Scripture is you see Noah. He's being called to God. That means that the life or the society that he's living in, he's separating himself so that he can now be dedicated, consecrated unto God. You see, with Abraham, he's now called him out from his father into him. Now, this is the kicker, because you understand that Jews are created nations. They are a group of people that God took from out of another group and made. That's what he done. He called them out. This is what you see within the body of Christ. There are different people here from different backgrounds different races. God has called you out into one body where now we're here a family together. That's what you see. Amen. So we also see with the children of Israel as they journeyed into Egypt and then they stayed there for a period of time Then God now called them out unto himself. Amen. So when we see that throughout scripture and we see those famous words here verse by verse all we see is this. Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So that's what you're seeing. So when you look at, because so, a lot of times what will happen is we'll start to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and read the Bible, you know, the, the, in a year. And then we get to the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and we start nodding. Because in the book of Leviticus, all it's saying is that what God is, now his commandments is, don't do this, don't do this, don't eat this, don't do that. Don't mix this thread with that thread, X, Y, Z. That's all we're seeing. And we're like, oh, man, like, well, I, I, maybe I can flip a couple chapters. <laughs> you know? 
But what he's saying, though, is the book of Leviticus is very, and I was one of those individuals, but when I grasped the concept of the book of um, Leviticus, it's really him calling us into being holy. We see him calling a nation of people into being holy. Now, the process, because it's uncomfortable when we see God saying, don't do this. It's like a child. When you tell your child, don't touch that. It's like, why can't I? Why can't I? I, I want to tell you. I want it. But what he's doing was, what he was doing was purging us, purging the children of Israel. We look at purge as defined as this, is, is when God removes the undesirable elements, things that are fruitless. So when a purging takes place, now it's those things that we now grab the hold of when we were once in the world that's lying dormant in us. Now God starts to say, yeah, I need this to be moved out the way. That's what you've seen with the children of Israel. For 400 plus years, they were in Egypt, right? Egypt was considered the world. So now there was a period of time where the children of Israel was favored upon upon Pharaoh. Now, after Joseph passed away, then there are a couple more pharaohs started to come down the line. They didn't acknowledge Joseph. They like, who, Joseph who? Like, I, don't, I don't care nothing about them. All I know is these people are starting to outnumber us. And so we need to do something. Like, this is our land, and we need to take it back. That's just point blank. So we're going to put them in captivity. But then what you see is when God now starts to deliver them out, those types of culture that they experienced there in Egypt... They bring it over. What's the first thing we see them doing? Idol worshiping. They build a cattle. They say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, all they know, they just did what they knew what they were doing back in Egypt. Ain't that like us? We'll, we'll say, you know what, I'm coming over to the things of God. But there are certain things that I like to take from myself because it was a part of who I was because of the world system that I was living in. But God is like, I can't accept that. I'm, I'm sorry. I understand that. You know what? Back in the day, you was a hard drinker. And now you go over and you're like, you know what? You, we even, this is what we'll do. We'll justify. We'll say a little wine. Is, scripture says a little wine is good for the stomach. <laughs> If I step on your toes, just say, ouch. (laughs) So in the New Testament, we see God also doing the same thing, calling us into into holiness. It doesn't change at all, which brings us to this, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. It says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. And set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you as the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy. Look, look at what Peter does. He goes back to the Old Testament. He says, you also are to be holy in your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. It's a commandment. 
It's not, it's not something that we just put on and take off. No, it's a commandment. It's a requirement. But this is the thing that we have to understand. Who Peter was talking to, the audience Peter was talking to was those of Jewish, and there were some Gentiles in there. He was talking to a group of churches there in Asia Minor, which is, mi- is modern-day Turkey today. And what he was saying to them is that, listen, look, in your former life, there were certain things that you used to do. Look, we can relate to this, you guys. There were certain things in our former life that we used to do. And what he's saying is that, look, now you're, he's affirming them. He said, now you're God's people. Look, God's word affirms us. You're God's people. No longer are you bound to that, what you used to desire it. You're now free. You're now liberated. Watch this. Now, during this time, these group of people was experiencing mass, mass persecution. Because they decided to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stand for God. And guess what? The world system during that time was persecuting them. They were being killed off. So this is one thing we have to understand. A lot of times when we see certain things in Scripture towards the Old Testament, it might be they're experiencing a natural devastate or a hit or blow in their life. It's natural. Well, for us, a lot of times it's spiritual. It's a spiritual attack. That we get. So for instance, our 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 hang-ups might have been, I'm struggling with addiction, whether it be drugs, pornography, alcohol. I'm struggling with my attitude. I'm struggling in certain different areas of my life, but now I'm in the posture and position because God has created me a new individual. I'm no longer bound to that because God has called me, called me. Out from that. Amen. So, again, this is the thing. Here's a point that I want to make. Becoming a Christian is called is is a call to action. That's what a Christian is. It's a call to action. It's never for us to be in the posture in a position where we put our hands behind our head, put our feet up and say, you know what? I'm just riding the ride. You never see that throughout Scripture. And what God will do is he'll reveal himself over and over. If we go back to the Old Testament, you see him calling the children of Israel out, not for them to relax, but to worship him. That's what he's saying for us as well. He's called us out for us to be in the position and the posture now to, to work. Now, now, that work, again, we got to go back to Ephesians, doesn't mean that we do it ourselves. It's an inward work that takes place inside of us. And now, guess what happened? It now starts to display on the outside. So let's look at 1 Peter and examine it a little bit more, right? Because Peter was speaking allegorical here when he says, therefore, with your minds ready for action. What he was saying was because he understood his audience that he was talking to. Jewish men during this time, what they would do is they, would, they wore tunics. So what they would do is anytime they would go to work, or go to war, they tie their tunics up so that they wouldn't get tripped up. So in today's society, or in this era, what we would say is we roll our sleeves up. So what Peter was talking about was, listen, I need you to tie up the loose ends of your thoughts. What he was saying is this was his interpretation of having a renewed mind. So what he's telling us is roll back the thoughts, those thoughts of when you feel malice, when you want to get revenge, those thoughts of when temptations arise, he's telling, I need you to roll 
it back. I don't need it to be in the position or the posture where it lays lie dormant there. And then we now are acting out because, again, becoming a Christian is an action. So now if we start to sway over into the desires of our old ways, we walk out from the now the Christian life into the old life. And now we're hypocrites. Our next one is this, is when he says, be sober-minded. Now, sober-minded is this, someone who is serious or sensible. The picture of uh, sobriety is a watchtower. Their job is to be aware. So, for instance, if you're out on a boat and you have a watchtower, that light shines out. Because it's giving you awareness of where you need to go, what's ahead of you, so that you know, there, that okay, there's the watchtower right there. Well, an individual who has a prayer life, God, through his spirit, gives us an awareness of certain things now that are going on, not just in our lives, but in, in, in world society, right? For example, check this out. You ever been praying? And you praying, you might be praying about world peace. God, we want a revival. I want you to move, God. We need you to have your way in the life of people. And God end up showing you something about yourself that's flawed. Next thing you know, you're crying. God, forgive me, God. Know. Or not that, he shows you something about someone else. Or not just that, he shows you something about in his word that's revelatory where you're like, oh, my God. For example, I, I seen this pastor past week come out, he openly confessed that for 30 years he's been teaching a principle that was not biblical. God revealed to him grace and now his eyes were open. 30 years he's seen something one way and now God revealed, that, that's how God does. This is what, when he says be sober minded, this is what he's telling us. Amen? So which brings us to this point here. Is that when God now deals with us, yes. conviction takes place. Yes, it, it says here, sense. Sense of guilt, this is what conviction is. Sense of guilt and shame leading to repentance. So understand something, that God, when he convicts, he doesn't convict to condemn he convicts so that he can lead us, leads us to the position and posture of where we round repent yes. of yes. anything yes. that we've yes. done. Yes. Again, he's holy. Yes. He's holy. So a lot of times, you know, for you young people, you might have kids, you know, you, your mom or your dad is fussing with you, with you <laughs> and you convicted about something, and sometimes it's left right there. Yeah, you need to live there. Uh, you need to feel that sting for a minute. But God is totally different. God is like, I'm going to sting you which brings you to me, right. and now I show you your purpose. Amen? Yes. So in other words, God's conviction is convincing us that his understanding and his ways are better than ours in the world. Yes. Let's look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is God talking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, this, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Yes. And your ways are not my ways. So he's letting us know, listen, I'm on a whole nother plateau. Like he's boast. Like it's so many times God starts boasting about himself because he doesn't, there's no one else that he can boast about. 
It's no one greater than him. So he says, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts yours and my and my thoughts than yours. So he's telling an individual here, watch this, no matter in this passage of scripture, because God is beckoning the children of Israel to come to him. So he's saying, no matter how far an individual goes, guess what? I'm, I'm here calling you unto me. See how different we are? Let somebody ruin us. Let somebody do us wrong. Some of us in here is like, you know what? I want revenge. No, whatever they've done to me, God, I want you to kill them. <laughs> you start praying down heaven from fire. There are people that, no, I've, there are people that really, God, you send down fire from heaven upon. When God's plan is to deliver your enemy. God's plan is for salvation to be upon your enemy. So when we align ourselves with God, what happens is, even though we might have an art with an individual, our heart now positioned in the posture, in the place of where we say, God, because I know who you are, I'm going to surrender myself. You've seen that with Jonah. Jonah understood who God was, and he said, I'm not going because I know you are a forgiving God, and they don't need to be forgiven. How many of us feel like that? towards a certain people. Now, let's understand something now. When we're talking about prayer, it has to be a balance with God's, when we're praying in God's word. It has to be a balance because this is what I've learned. I've learned this, that when we don't have a balance, when we are an individual, that all we're doing is reading the word, reading the word, and no prayer life, we have a stony heart. I call it the Oprah spirit. (laughs) You going to hell. You going to hell. Everybody's going to hell. You start giving out tickets to hell. That's what happens when you have a stony heart. There is no room for grace to be implemented in, in, in a person's life. So you just say you're wrong and you're going to hell if you continue on living like that. When you have, when you are an individual and all you do is pray and you have no word life, you become emotional. What happens is you feel everybody's infirmity. Oh, Oh, that's, oh, I feel, God, you know what? I just see God, you're just so blessed and just, and they could be a witch or a warlock. (laughs) And they ain't even studying God. They're not even thinking about God. But because what happens is with the word, where we have a balance, what happens is now through prayer, it gives us communication with the spirit of God. And then what happens is now the word of God regurgitated and we're able to say certain things. Even if a person's not a believer, we'll share a passage of scripture and watch it quicken their spirit. It might not be at that moment. It might be they might have their moment. Where later down the line, where they say, oh, such and such told me X, Y, Z, and now I understand it. Amen? So let's look at, let's go back to Isaiah 6 and 4, because we got to see, like, this is some powerful stuff here. So 6 and 4 tells us this. It says, for the foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, whoa, listen to this, listen to this. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips and living among people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. 
when this is the thing that happens when we are met with the presence of God conviction this is the first call of action conviction yes. takes place yes. which now leads us to repentance yes. so in the presence of God we'll see how much we are uh, we not we're ugly we're not good at all next slide watch this it causes us to confess See, what happens a lot of times in the church scenery is that we'll repent. You know, Spirit of God can convict us. We'll repent. And then we're like, you know what? I'm a new creation in Christ, which is true. But we don't confess. See, Jesus even talks about confession. The scripture talks about confessions all the time. Confession is when we say, you know what? I'm going to sit up here and make an admiration declaration or acknowledgement meaning that wherever I'm in error or wherever God shows me where I'm in error I'm going to now put it on the altar I'm going to now expose myself scripture also talks about in James where he says you know but confess yourself or your faults or your sins towards one another now let's put that in context he's talking about confessing your sins towards a, a believer who is mature so don't go around here confessing your sins to an individual who's not mature, and then you get upset because your business is out on Front Street. So no, we have to make wise decisions. We have to confess to individuals who are mature because they're now in the position and the posture to pray for us. Yeah. Amen? So that's what happens where we see a lot of times in the Old Testament. Now, this is divided into two things. It's divided in, uh, into the, the sins, the confession of sins and confessions of faith. So we're going to look at confessions of sin. This is when we expose our nakedness to God and others, right? So when, when we see in Scripture where you see Adam and Eve, and after the fall, what did they do? They end up hiding themselves. So when they hide themselves from the presence of God, what happened is, is because I'm down ashamed, guilt has came in, and I don't want to see, I don't want to let this holy God see me as I am. So now I'm going to hide. Watch this. How many of us do that? And then we'll justify it. We'll say something like this. God doesn't want to hear from me. He got more important things than worrying about me. Like, well, just like that's justifying you guys. That's a lie. God desires to hear from us. Every iota, every little situation, every issue, every problem, no matter how big nor small it is, he wants to hear from us. Guess what that is when we operate like that? It's called pride. It's pride. When we decide to say, God, I know more than you, when he specifically told us in Scripture what? His ways is not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So when we say, you know what, God, I think I know better than you, and I'm going to hide myself from you because you got better things to worry about. That's pride. And we see that with, the, uh, with Adam and Eve. So what happens a lot of times when we do that, we do what? We mentally now dress ourselves on the outward. So let's look at this. Genesis 3. 
and 7. It says, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. How many times have we sat up there and dressed ourselves? How many times we sat up there and said, you know what? I, I, I think this is better than me, even though God is instructing us to do X, Y, Z. But we're saying, you know what? No, I, I think this is more better for me than what God has for me. That's, that's, that's the mentality that they had. Look, it, sometimes it's not even ourselves. Sometimes it's family. We see that with Joseph. His father put a coat of many colors around him. What did that present to his life? Hatred from his brothers. Some of y'all might be the favorite in your family. If, if you don't believe that, maybe you're the one. <laughs> you're the one, or you're looking at your sibling like, yeah, they, yeah. We've seen that not only that when Joseph was there, but when he entered into Egypt, what happened? It said that when he was in Potiphar's house and when he ran out after dealing with Potiphar's wife, she had what? His garment in her hand. So our family can put clothing on us. The world can put garment on us. So what God has already, now look at this with Adam and Eve. What God has already given them of his glory upon them, look, they fell from glory And now they tried to say, you know what, I'm now going to put my own garments on myself. Which brings us to Genesis 3 and 21. It says this, the Lord made, look look at what he had to do. He had to fix it. It says, the Lord God made clothing from the skin of the man, for the skin of the man and his wife. And he clothed them. What we see God is, because you understand that a sacrificial offering had to be made. So God performed the first sacrificial offering. And that's how you see Adam and them started to repeat the same cycle. But here, he, gave, he clothed them with a more superior clothing than they had, showing us that, listen, you're not going to get it right. He was showing us back then that, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to send someone to clothe you because you're not going to get it right. And that's what we see in Jesus. Jesus now gives us access to the Father. So now we're able to take off our old clothing and put on the new man. And now we are now rejuvenated in in God, not in ourselves. Now we can walk out the image of holiness. Watch this. Here's a quick one here. You got Joseph. If you get to the end of where now he's standing before his brothers, he's face to face with them. He's looking at them and he's saying to them, I'm your brother, I'm your brother. And they're looking at him like, no, 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 no. It says something real profound in there. It says, Joseph showed himself. Because what you've seen God did with Adam and Eve is God was establishing a covenant. What you see Joseph doing, Joseph said, you know what, I'm going to show you, I'm going to reveal to you who I am. What he revealed was his circumcision. He said, listen, because you don't know who I am, let me show you that I'm a promise keeper. Understand that Joseph is a Christ type, you guys. 
He was saying, I'm the individual that God put in position in, pl- in place to deliver you out of a famine. He's a, he's a Christ type, meaning he's a deliverer. He's a savior. So when he showed himself, he showed that, listen, I kept the promise. I held on. You know why I was able to endure? It's because I held on to the promise because there was a blood that was shed, which brings us to this. Confession of faith, the acknowledgement and a commitment to God. Now, this is an outward display of an inward transformation performed that God does in a person's life. That's what confession of faith is. That's what you see what Joseph doing is I'm confessing that I'm a promise keeper. So watch this. When you see Joseph in Egypt, when he's using the bathroom, He's reminded every day of the promise of Abraham. When he's in that jail cell with other men and they're not circumcised and he looks at himself, he's like, he's reminded I'm a promise keeper. See, being second in command wasn't a big thing in Egypt for, for, for Joseph. See, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll get in a world system and because, you know, we're, we're prospering, we feel like we've made it. If you look at Joseph, that wasn't the main point. Because even when he said to his brothers, he said, what you meant for good, God meant it, turned it around for, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for his good. Not only that, his last words, his dying words was, when y'all go into the promised land, take my remains with me. I want to stay here. That's what he was saying. He understood, listen, I'm a promise keeper, and guess what? We are covenant keepers because we are descendants of Abraham by faith. So now my mentality is not resting here, watch this for us, on earth or the world system, the world's principles. Because guess what? There is a land that's promised to us. Let's go to Matthew 10. Because Jesus takes this very serious. Because we see two sides of the coin here. He says, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. There's the flip side. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. What Jesus is talking about here, he's calling us to be disciples. Someone, an individual who publicly affirms that Jesus is Lord. Let's go to Colossians 3, starting with verse 5. Y'all all all right? All right. He says here, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, you are being renewed. And knowledge according to the image of your creator. So what we're seeing here is now God, when he pulls us out from the world, 
we are now being created into his image where we're able to fellowship and dialogue with him where he's able now to move through us to where we'll make an impact to other individuals life which brings us to this image here when we surrender ourselves unto the Lord he can fully use us I, I want to speak to the individual who feels like God doesn't hear me I, I want to speak to the individual who has that lost family member I, I want to speak to the individual who's struggling with addiction whether it be drugs pornography or I want to speak to the individual who feels like you know what I'm going through a sickness in my life and God why don't you hear me God I have cancer wriggling my body I'm asking for your healing but, but God why don't you hear me can I share something with you see when we have the image of God it's something that's real simple that we gotta understand there is favor in our lives it might not come in the image of how we're looking but look one thing that he promised us is peace I'm gonna share this with you Jesus said this Jesus said in scripture that when it comes to peace, peace is the abundant life. Meaning that even though you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, guess what? He can give you rest wherever you are. You don't have to worry about it overtaking you. You don't have to worry about it bowing you down. Look, your situation might never, it didn't even change, but because it's, it's a pep in your step, you're like, I know this is not me because you know what? He's conforming me into the image of him. And because now, because I'm into the image of him, now peace now is with me. So guess what? Now when peace is with me, you don't look like what you've been through. I never forget, right? I was listening to this lady and she talked about how she was a prostitute. She was strung out on drugs. She was homeless. I'm trying to tell you, if you've seen this woman, she did not look like what she's been through. That's the peace, the peace of God. That's its favor upon individuals. So I want to speak to the individual now that is struggling. That might not feel like God is hearing them. I want you to understand something. God says this. He's always with us. He's never forsaken us. So guess what? He goes before us in a situation. He's with us. And then he's holding hands with us, walking with us through the situation to where we don't have to worry about now failures or trip-ups. He tells us in his scripture, Jesus tells us many times over and over to fear not. There's no need for us to fear. I'm going to do something a little different. I, I want to be in the position of where I want the Spirit of God to move. If this touch you, I want you to position yourself on the altar. Position yourself on the altar. Get naked. Conf conf expose yourself. Let God see who you really are because His intentions is to clean us up. Let God minister to your heart. 
but the altar is open. An open confession where we say, God, I'm going to leave it right here. When I leave out of here, I'm not going to be the same. It's time out for where we come to church and the same thing happens over and over. We hear a message and leave out and we left out the same. But no, it's time to now say, you know what? I'm going to drop it off right here, God. I understand that you're holy. You're faithful. It's going to pray us out. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, we desire, Lord God, for you to come in our lives, Lord God. God, we desire, Lord God, for conviction to take place in our lives. God, for you to shake up our world, Lord God. Everything, Lord God, that is in us that's not like you, God, we ask that you purge it out in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, touch our hearts. You know us better than we know ourselves, God. And God, we want to be more like you, Lord. God, we desire, Lord God, to be who you've created us to be. So God, speak to us, Lord God. We're here naked before you, oh God. Have your way like never before, Father. Move, God. God, we thank you, Lord God, for the healing, Lord God. Even though it might not come physically, Lord God, it might come spiritually, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, because, Lord, you are a promise keeper, Lord God. We see you throughout Scripture over and over, Lord God, how you delivered mankind, Lord God, from out of their sins. And we are delivered, Lord God. We're delivered. We're changed. Pull back the foreskins of our hearts, Lord God. You minister to us, Lord. Let us walk, Lord God, according to your will, your purpose, and your plan, Lord God. We're here with our hands lifted high, God. Pour in us, Lord God, as we pour out to you. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's all I have. Thank you for coming here, but I, I don't want to leave if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not your personal Savior, accept him into your life today. Let the Spirit of God lead you on how. Because what happens is, if this message was compelling, that means that the Spirit of God was already working. And the Spirit of God will already give you the utterance that you need to now to take partition for God so as you leave out of here today, I want you to be blessed. Have a blessed week. Be steadfast and unmovable in the things of God, all right? Be blessed. Our, our prayer partners will be here as well. So if you need individual prayer, please come up, please.